Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists empowerment talk radio. Speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. It's open sat, open mic Saturday night, and you know what that means. Our number tonight is uh, 347-838-9852 here at Our Common Ground. I'm having a bit of a problem with our studio tonight, so... Uh, bear with me because everything seems to be at the bottom of the page for some reason and I'm scrolling up and down. How are you? We hope that all is well with you and your family. Here tonight at Our Common Ground, in the first page we're going to be looking at the whole issue of lying. Everybody seems to be lying. Who is? Who would dare to tell the truth? on uh, this 40, 39 days before the November 6th election. Um, the other is we're also going to be looking at the need for us to be watching at our state and local um, electoral politics as much as we seem to be uh, concentrating on the presidential election. I think that uh, there are a number of things that are going on there uh, in uh, the key states uh, around the country, what they call the outlier states. Uh, they have um, a particular importance uh, at the state and local level as well when it comes to voter suppression. So we'll be visiting with a couple of people, uh, but we want to keep your eye on the black side. We've got to uh, have 
that extra lens so that we can be aware, have an awareness, and maybe one day embrace the whole notion of uh, the black perspective of events in this country. So we hope that you will stay with us here at Our Common Ground, and we really appreciate your being with us. If you know people who enjoy uh, the back-and-forth banter of informed, serious uh, talk radio, we would appreciate if you'd let them know that we are here um, because one of the things that we do know is that we have got to be engaged in a way. I just fixed the studio. We've got to be engaged in a way that is different. Uh, we have to have a, and always have had to have a third eye. And that means that we've we've always had to have an awareness uh, of 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 being black in America and what that means um, and when we don't have that awareness, we trip up, and I can't talk to the customer service person, Alan, the support operator. They are finally at Blog Talk Radio having support people online, um, support people online um, in the evening. And that's a good thing because Blog Talk Radio, um, I want to tell Alan thanks for your help uh, because things were really kind of like out of sort back here. And but it, it, when it comes to this third eye, we have got we have got to. Okay, Alan, we're we're done with you. Thank you very much. Uh, good night. Have a good night. Um, can't I can't talk to you and to my audience at the same time? How about that? So, thank you for being there from my audience and from me and all of us at Our Common Ground because we really needed you because I was really confused about what was going on. I'm going to peep as uh, I love what India Declare says. She's going to peek into the... um, uh, into the into the chat room and and see who we have. We do have a guest. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Janice Graham. If this is your first time visiting on our common ground, let me. You hear that noise? I mean, uh, this man is not going away real real quick. Um, and he is saying, I understand. Um, And I um, have a great show. Thank you, Alan. Thank you so very much. Now, goodbye. Um, And I see in our chat room we have a guest. 
And if you've not been at our common ground, you will notice that people come in late. If if you're not colored, that's how it happens. So we're running on CP time, and then Alpha is in the chat room. Alpha is my my brother, uh, my media warrior, and host of the Alpha show, which was a fine show last night. Alpha, you know you can you can really. I mean, this is a person who can. Alpha, you really ought to be a tailor because you really know how to put the pieces together. Uh, really know how to put the pieces together. And uh, Miss I, Miss India Declare, just stepped in in her. Uh, I'm sure she's wearing black patent leather, six inch heels. And she is listening from the boudoir with her apple and her wonderful little dog, Miss Lola, sitting in her lap. And she says that she is jamming on Luther. Well, aren't you special, Miss India Declare, for tonight? We have got it going on. Alpha, you didn't tell us what you were doing, but I suspect you might be cleaning off your kitchen table, but we're not going to talk about your secrets. And and before we get started tonight, because we're waiting for the latecomers, the ones that come, you know, late on CP time, because that goes with it. We're going to um, just give you a little bit of what we do here at Our Common Ground on um, what we call Open Mic Saturday Night. Because if you're new to Our Common Ground, and you can join us at 347-838-9852, we open up our mics to what's important to you. Uh, last Saturday night... Uh, we had with us Ohio Senator Nina T- Turner, and uh, what a wonderful, um, wonderful time we had with with her. Uh, just you know, uh, having a good down home talk. So um, tonight we're gonna. Start out with a, a little bit of blues because we play music on uh, our common ground on open mic Saturday night. You might want to write it down three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. And then when we come back, we're going to start up looking at big lies, big lies, big lies. Everybody. That is lying. It has become an American pastime in politics. You're listening to Our Common Grounds. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. It's Saturday night. Open mic. I'm Janice Brand. 
I'll be listening for you at 347-838-9852. At the top of the show tonight, Big Lies Lecture, Dr. Francis Chris Felstein. Stay tuned. Listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Call us. Our number 347-838-9852. I'll be listening for you.
And did he do me well? Did he do me well? Okay, well, let's get this party started. I see uh, Michelle Odom, the producer of Soul of Fire. And if you're a new listener, don't forget, we sponsor the Black Voice Collaborative, TruthWorks Network. There is programming, top-notch programming on um, TruthWorks Network. Uh, You heard me mention earlier the Alpha Show on Fridays at 10 p.m. at TruthWorks right here on Blog Talk Radio, and um, Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson is our uh, Wednesday night talk, Spirit Matters Talk Radio at 10 p.m., and on Tuesday nights, Working While Black, 10 p.m. with Ricardo Jones, and this Tuesday will be the final episode of Working While Black, so you don't want to miss it to get the last new information. Uh, And on uh, Thursday night, starting October 4th, this Thursday, (coughs) excuse me, there's no cough button on this studio. This studio was a mess today. Um, On on Thursdays at 10 p.m., join Suzanne Brooks. She is the author of The Constructive Elimination of Women of Color. She has done extensive work on looking at women who are ethnic minorities in the places where they live, about employment, socioeconomic circumstances and instrumentation in their communities, how they relate to others in their community, the political infrastructure, the social infrastructure, and who they are as family. Now, just because you're critical doesn't mean something's wrong. Women of Color in the Invisible begins this Thursday. 10 p.m., and I hope that you will join us. Before we get started, we're going to go into a little break here so that you know something about our programming, and then when we come back, the big, 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 real big, big, big epidemic of political lies. I'll be right back. Notion of let's live as if or let's pretend, is a real uh, metaphor for much of what black folk, particularly those of us uh, who would be a part of the middle class, whether by income or by education or by self-conscious awareness, uh, would be part of the middle class. Uh, Pretending that we're doing just fine is pretty much what we've been doing, or this living as if, as as if... um, as if being black middle class really means something in terms of stability. Really, that it really somehow puts us in a different category, even with respect to the vagaries of race in America. Let's live live as if that's the case. And uh, even 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 in terms of the trappings of the status that we that we seek, that we desire, that we lust for, is 
this need to appear a certain way in the eyes of others, particularly even other black people, this need that we have, I think all this is a part of as if. So we have a Mercedes Benz and the, 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 the white folk over in another subdivision off the street has a Mercedes Benz. So we live as if we're as well off as they are because we live in the same neighborhood and we're driving the same house. I mean, we're living in the same neighborhood and we're driving the same kind of car. When the fact of the matter is that the, the income average... Solar Fire with Dr. Matthew D. Johnson here at TruthWorks Network, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Back to Our Common Ground. And thank you again for being with us. Tonight is Our Common Ground, Saturday night, open mic, and we hope that we will hear from you here at the top with Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. You know, we give a party every on Saturday night, open mic, but I have never gone to a party that I did not enjoy where we were not talking Politics and Community. So here we go. Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, a segment of her lecture, Big Lies. I'm superior. That person is not really feeling superior. I said superiority always speaks for itself. You never have to wave a banner. But in my attempt to understand what racism is all about because I wanted to be a good psychiatric physician to black people primarily, because they didn't have all of the psychiatric physicians that they needed, and when I took histories on black patients and found that their problems, whether it was drugs or alcohol or depression or psychosis, was stemming from confrontation with this horrible destructive force in the environment that we call racism, I said, I've got to understand what that really is all about. And so looking at this fact that Wait a minute, these people who put this big lie out that they're the majority are really the minority. And the second big lie that something was wrong with our genetics, but in reality, white skin. This is not Francis Welsing's genetics that I cooked up in my apartment. 
skin whiteness is defined by white people themselves, but when they were talking about a white mouse or a white bunny rabbit, not themselves, that this is a genetic deficiency state. It is albinism. It is genetic recessive as opposed to being genetically dominant. So I put those two things together and said, I've got it. This is what racism is really all about. This tiny minority of people whose own scientists have said that white is a genetic deficiency state and it is recessive, figured out after they ended up circumnavigating the globe. People of color had circumnavigated the globe long before that. But people whose skins were white did not circumnavigate the globe until starting in the 15th century. And when they found out that everybody on the planet was colored, every place they stopped. Every place those boats crash landed. It was some more colored people. And the colored people were receptive, kind, and fed these strangers. And they even allowed themselves to have sexual intercourse with the strangers. And the strangers found out if they waited nine months that all of the children ended up looking like the colored mothers. And so they decided we have a color problem. <laughs> they didn't have to have a big genetics conference. They didn't even have the formal science of genetics at that point. But they found out that black plus white equals color. Brown plus white equals color so-called red plus white equals color, yellow plus white equals color. And it didn't take high-level intelligence, really, to conclude, what if these men of color got in boats and started going in the other direction? And they landed. <laughs> listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Graham. And 
thank you once again for being with us. I'm peeking in the chat room, as India Declare would say, and we've got Brother Brock uh, out of Philadelphia, PA, where they are really chomping down on the bit on the plantation. Brother Brock, um, you all need to do some fine, fine anti-voter suppression and get out the vote in Philadelphia, PA. And YJ is with us tonight. And uh, we've got uh, guests, and we thank them for being with us. That was Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. And one of the things that has become more and more apparent to us is that aside from those who uh, support our president, there are people in our community who really have gotten the message about the lies that are before us. And the lies are being couched in a way that a prediction, projection of what we can expect if we do not run the Romney, that's what we used to call it in Massachusetts when we were working very diligently against the election of Mitt Romney as the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We're also doing that right now. Um, um, I have been uh, doing phone banking for Elizabeth Warren um, because I respect and support her notions about how we revive and build the economy to support an economy which supports poor working poor, and middle-class Americans in this country. I admire the warrior spirit that she portrayed uh, when she was fighting for the rights of consumers in this country. But as much as that, uh, I have been making these calls so that I can talk trash about our current senator, Scott Brown. Because he was an empty suit when he was in the Massachusetts legislature, and he's an empty suit now as a senator from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and that's just the bottom line. But let's take a let's take a real close look at what these lies are all about. First of all, we have to deal with the issue. I don't want to hear the analysis and a and a long, drawn-out, uh, pundit commentary. Here's a man who wants to be the president of the United States of America. He has already indicated that, one, he does not respect the process of the American electoral uh, body to present a history of his personal financial uh, profile. He simply said, 
I will give you what I want to give you, and he has set it up to whatever he gives us. At the end of the day, November 7th, he can amend either one of the tax returns that he has presented. And I I wouldn't even believe, I mean, anybody that has to have 271 pages of tax returns, that tells me right there what's going on. I mean, let's get real. Let's have some common sense about this. This man does not want to present his tax returns because there is something there about the way and how he has offshored his money, his billions of dollars. He's a multi-billionaire. Then there is the question of how he has conducted himself both legally and ethically, as a corporate leader. It should be the end of the conversation. Just the end of the conversation. But then we have this other thing that's going on in the background that's continuous. It's like, you know, if you've ever seen the the commercial for The Matrix or inside the movie and they have all this digital data that's being downloaded and it's being downloaded and downloaded and downloaded. It's green on the black screen. Well, that's how Mitt Romney's lies have come. It never stops. So let's take a look at what Tom Hartman and Mike Papatino had to say. If Mitt Romney had to personally contribute $100 toward, toward paying down our national debt every time he lied, then America would be out of the red by November. The Obama campaign and the Washington Post have hammered Romney in recent weeks over his tie, ties to Bain Capital and the laying off or outsourcing of thousands of American jobs. It, but, Romney says, but Romney says he's not responsible, since most of these layoffs occurred after he left Bain Capital in 1999. A new report by the Boston Globe reveals that Romney is lying. As financial documents filed in 2003 and obtained by the Boston Globe show, Romney still owned 100% of Bain Capital as recently as 2002 and even earned at least $100,000 as an executive at Bain in 2002, three years after Romney claims he'd left the business. Now we can add lying about his tenure at Bain to the long list of other Romney lies, just as voters are demanding the truth about Romney's several offshore bank accounts and how he's using them to avoid paying taxes. Does Mitt Romney really think he can lie his way to the White House? White House? Mike Papantonio joins me now. Hey, Mike. Tom, how are you? Just great. The Obama administration is saying that Mitt Romney either lied or he committed a felony. Which is it? <laughs> He's a bad situation. If On one hand, behind door number one, you have Romney saying that uh, I, I, I was not part of the leadership. I wasn't CEO. I wasn't president. But nevertheless, on the SEC reports, he said that he was. That's a felony. That's door number one. Door number two is where he's lying to all of us. Either he's, either he's lying to the SEC, committing a felony, or when he tells us that he wasn't involved with, with uh, Bain Capital, he wasn't president, he wasn't the CEO, uh, then he, he's in a tough situation that you really can't, uh, you, you can't justify. There's no way to take these two odd positions and, and, and make them work. Very tough position for it him. It seems like Republicans have been willing to cut him slack on virtually everything else. I mean, he's been on both sides of every issue. <laughs> this is what all the, right. in the Republican primaries, they were all over him about. So, you know, arguably he's either changed his mind a lot or he's lied 
about his positions. And, and do you think that this particular change his mind or lie or whatever it is might stick? Well, I, I think what it does is it, it, it raises questions about other things, Tom. And anytime, you, anytime you're caught in a bald-faced lie to where there's no, there's no way to justify what you've done, they start asking questions. So now they're asking questions about, uh, about this, uh, several things. One is this, mysteri this mysterious San Katie Trust that he set up, that day one it's in his name, and day two he changes it uh, and puts it in his wife's name. And he does that so we can never find out what was really in it. The other story is where he, he, he has his employees at, the, at his company, at Maine Capital. The story's coming out where his employees were told to lie, to get on the telephone and, in, and, 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 and tell people that they were working for the government so they could retrieve secret information about revenue, secret in, information about sales, uh, in order to take that information and make a decision as to whether or not Bain Capital wants to invest in that company. It's illegal to do that, but he told his employees to do that. Those are the kinds of stories that come out once we figure out that we've been lied to all along. Uh, look, th there's no way for him to get away from this, um, this image. At some point, the image takes hold. We've seen it happen all, we see it happen all the time. We saw it. The, the, these images are very tough to shed, and it's far down the road for him right now to try to shed these images of being a liar. Yeah. Now, the, 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 the classic imprints of those, I guess, that most people remember are Mike Dukakis and, and Willie Horton. Correct. And, Correct. and, and uh, the, the whole Swift Boat thing that John Kerry was subjected to. Number one is to avoid subjecting their money to tax enforcement in the country where they originate. That's the first thing. That's, but even Bain Capital admitted that. But, but what Bain won't talk about and what Romney won't talk about is the other reason is to camouflage the trail where their money came from or to make it difficult for, for, for the, their country's treasuries to follow all the shell games, you see, that can be played in the secretive culture. It becomes almost geometrically easier to move money around to avoid oversight, to avoid regulations, and it's an entire culture of shell games and deception. Otherwise, again, Ed, you ask yourself, if, that, if you're not doing it for those reasons, why wouldn't you have it in the United States? Because the costs and the management layers just to open and operate an offshore banking operation is far more expensive. It's far more complex than depositing your money in a U.S. mom-and-pop bank. And so, for some reason, the whole focus is, is on taxes. Look, Ed, listen, two years ago, huge investigations took place in Europe. They should have been taking place in the United States. They started after this European investigation. But the investigation was to determine why Eastern Europeans were using offshore banks. Those investigations, it was done by something called the Organized Crime and Corruption Project. They found out, almost across the board, Europeans were most likely to use those offshore banking companies and those, and, and those funds, those investment funds, to cover up corrupt corporations and corrupt politicians. They said that. That's not Mike Papantonio said that in 2012. That was one of the most extensive investigations that Europeans had ever done. Out of that investigation, a report came from something called the Tax Justice Network, and it showed that $250 billion, with a B, 
$250 billion were lost every year worldwide in tax revenue. And it was because that money, you know, that money could have been used from uh, paying for better education to health care reform to infrastructure. It could have been used to pay for the military protection that these fat cats get in their offshore banking. So this story to me is just started. And it's not about taxes. It's not about taxes. It's about how you move money around. Law enforcement, they can't be effective in following offshore investment money. Look, I was a prosecutor one time, uh, Ed, and what I used to always tell everybody I worked with, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it probably is a damn duck. So this sinister secrecy that surrounds this whole offshore well, business, there's, some, there's more to this story. So w what is going to be bigger to voters? A guy who hides his money offshore... Uh, or a guy who wants to hide in a closet with another woman. I mean, we got a real crowd of... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what I'm doing is I'm looking down the road. Here's what's important to me about this. If Newt, say he comes in second in South Carolina, Ed, if he can hold on to Florida to where this story has time to really, to really take place. Right now, this offshore banking story has just started. And, and the analysis is wrong as far as if they're just focusing on, on, on taxes. And he says, look, I paid, I, I paid almost 15%. Well, well let me I, ask you, do you, you, you think there's some possible uh, illegal yes. uh, activity yes. here by Romney? Yes, yes. Yes. You think it's worth I, investigating? I, I think it's worth investigating. I can't say it happened, but, you know, I started talking about this. Well, who would ago. investigate that? Well, I mean, I, right now, here's what's happening. The Justice Department, if you think about it, they're underway with investigation of UBS and their tax evasion shell games in uh, Switzerland. There are 150 grand jury investigations of offshore banking underway right now as we speak. UBS has paid about $800 million in charges, Ed, of fostering tax evasion. You remember all those when that started developing a year ago? If that kind of thing's taking place in the largest banks, they're still offshore. They're still offshore quality banks, but, we, but they're in Switzerland. If that's happening in a place like Switzerland, what do you think's happened as third world banana republic banks? And why would you go to a third world banana republic bank? I don't know. So, I Romney's, I, so, the, so you're thinking that Romney and Bain might be thinking, ah, we're small potatoes. They're never going to get us compared to the big boys. Exactly. But look what's happened to look, look what's happened just in the Swiss story, the UBS story. And it's not just, it's not just UBS. These Swiss banks right now, there's, there, as I say, 150 grand jury pending investigations of offshore banking underway having to do with Switzerland. And so right now, we're, worried, we're saying, oh, well, this is a tax issue. Well, the issue is not only why or how he's paying so little tax, but more importantly, if he's honest and he has nothing to hide, then why in the hell is that money not deposited in mom-and-pop banks right here in the United States? Really, that's the, that's the end to this, to this analysis. Why do you do that, Ed? Why do you send your money offshore? Why do they have 130 or so accounts offshore? Why does Mitt Romney have uh, his personal investment accounts offshore? Who's invested with him in those accounts? Has he done political favors for those people who's invested with him? Where did the money come from in those other accounts? Did they come from criminal enterprise? You want to put him on trial. <laughs> Hell yes, I want to put him on trial. The media needs to be putting him on trial right now. Uh, we're queuing up a soundbite here that was just on MSNBC from uh, Mitt Romney. Do we have that? We ready? Okay, here here he is responding to a question on the campaign trail moments ago. What will you do to support the 99% thing until you are part of the 1%? 
Let me tell you something. America is a great nation because we're a united nation. And those who try and divide the nation, as you're trying to do here and as our president's doing, are hurting this country seriously. The right course for America is not to divide America and try and divide us between one and another. It's to come together as a nation. And if you've got a better model, if you think China's better, or Russia's better, or Cuba's better, or North Korea's better, I'm glad to hear all about it. You know what? America's right, and you're wrong. All right, getting heckled by the 99% yeah, on the yeah. campaign trail. But he speaks in such generic pablum terms. Of it's course. Just, he of don't course. say squat. Uh, he don't say squat. You tell him, Ed. He don't say squat. And if this man has two votes, you ought to be scared. Let's talk about the lies. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. You're on our common ground, and you ought to be scared because, however, it flows out November six. So much of this stuff has become embedded, and one of the reasons that I'm pointing out to you tonight, you need to be looking at not only the the mega lies. These are mega lies. We ought to have a lottery with Mitt Romney's lies. And and you notice that Mitt and Paul Ryan uh, aren't sticking together like peas in a pod. Ryan is keeping his distance because he's also trying to hold on to his seat in case the wheels come off the wagon. But here's the memo from Our Common Ground. The wheels are off the wagon. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm not interested in sitting here talking to myself. So pick up that phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. And now, Janice Graham. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists. But we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind 
is a terrible thing to waste. Women of Color in the Invisible, a six-part series on TruthWorks Network, hosted by Suzanne Brooks. She is the founder of International Women of Color Day and the author of The Constructive Extermination of Women of Color. We hope you'll join Suzanne Brooks and Women of Color in the Invisible, a constructive discussion about women in our society, across the globe, economics, employment, family, relationships, and institutionalized invisibility. Thursdays, 10 p.m., men and women looking at the status of women across the globe at TruthWorks Network. Women of Color in the Invisible, Thursdays, 10 p.m. TruthWorks Network. What is there to explain? Give anything away until we have it all. Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Senate races, 
and we've got organizations in our community that say they're doing something about the voter suppression and they're not doing nothing about the voter suppression. They're taking their money and they're paying salaries and they're not they're just not doing right. I just I just needed to say that. Our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two and the alpha is on the line. Well, having said that, let me say this. Those, <laughs> those who will do us the most harm is what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about the uh, slack-jaw Democrat who is saying one thing and actually leaning the other way. See, here's the problem. Mitt Romney becomes president. Republicans maintain the House. They take over the Senate. I don't care what that Democrat says. He has absolutely no standing. He has no power. Standing up against the threat of a Romney Ryan and a Republican House and a Republican Senate, I can live with the betrayal of the Democratic Party. You see, uh, as you all like to say, they are the same. And in ways, they are the same. But Wait a I, minute, Alpha. You know I'm not going to let you get by with that. Who is it, y'all? Well, when I say y'all, <laughs> people who have coined the phrase are uh, heard with different wings. One side of uh, the birds with the different wing, with the same wings on the, on the bird and uh, two sides of the same coin. All of those people who look at Democrats and Republicans in the same light. And like I've always told you, it's not Democrats that are suppressing the vote. They didn't draft that legislation. It's not Democrats who are putting over 1,100 anti-choice, anti-contraception bills against women. It's not Democrats who waged the war on children's uh, nutrition, and teachers, policemen, firemen. It's not Democrats waging war on unions. It's not about unions being bad. It's about that money stream that goes to Democrats. If they've demonized and vilified unions to now where union is a dirty name, it wasn't Democrats that made liberal a dirty name. It wasn't Democrats that defamed affirmative action. It wasn't Democrats that turned around. Speech! Did you hear me put the brakes on? Alpha. But I I do have to I do want to make two points to your comments. I think your your comments are very, uh, are sage on one hand. But on the other hand, we have to look at it's not Democrats who have defended the basic principles of the things for which the Republicans are demonizing. There's okay? a difference between defending and attacking. Yeah, it, it's called passive-aggressive, take-the-advantage political positioning. There's a difference. That's all I'm saying is there's a difference. Look. I'm not trying to hold their hands. I was just, you know, I was just caring to y'all, you know, because I'll be in the y'all. 
true. I will, I will tell you that all of these, until we get serious as a people about claiming those things which are right and just, it, the y'all, I will be a part of the y'all. Exactly. But you see, Janice, when you start talking about this false equivalent. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'll give you a good example. Hold my hands up. I got my hand up. Um, I'll give you a very good example. The example is, and it's a letter that I sent to John Kerry, that I'm tired of voting for him, and he does not step out on my interests that when it comes time to speak out, he thinks he has to be the pillar of foreign policy rather than the pillar of domestic policy. Well, how long has he been doing that? He's been doing that since he ran for president. Exactly. He's been doing that all the time. He got the stuffing kicked out of him because he allowed it, because he had no practice in being an advocate for something which is founded in in foundations of democratic principles. That's why he got the stuffing kicked out of him. Yeah, he got the stuffing kicked out of him because he thought that the American people were smarter than they were. He allowed himself to be swift-voted. And even then it took the Ohio theft, Grand Theft Ohio, to wrestle him away from the presidency. You see, with just with a little fight back, with a little pushback, with a little effort, he could have well, become president. Let me let me let me ask you something. After the Rominator machine of lies I mean these people I mean it, it's it's just like uh Rachel Maddow has pointed out. They tell lies they lay it out. They they believe their li- They don't believe their lives, but they know that their lives will stick. Their lives will stick, and once it sticks, they put it right up on their website. Proud of the fact that they told the lie. What they have done, they have created two sides of the truth. It's the truth, and it's their truth. It's reality. But where are the Democrats going to be? After the Romanator, Romanator machine rolls over Obama next next uh, Wednesday night, well, you're assuming facts that are not in evidence. <laughs> I don't think. Let me put it like this: He is going to come on that stage, and he's going to lie because he's already started to lie, and mm-hmm. there's no way he can back off these lies. He's going to tell people he's cut $716 billion from Medicare knowing it's a lie. He's going to tell them he's taking work from welfare knowing it's a lie. My problem is that I don't see this president having the brass to stand up and call him out. Or these, or these, more importantly, he will not have surrogates who will come out the next day and call Mitt Romney a bold-faced liar. Well, that's what I told you about the convention. They were all on the stage, hooping and hollering, and basically trouncing Mitt Romney. The next day, they were all gone. Wow. Well, you know, the thing is that 
what is frightening to me, Alpha, and I have other calls on the board that I've, I've got to take, and you made some really, really potent points, but what is frightening to me is that people who are sitting listening to this broadcast, people who watch the commentaries every night, they let the lies pass and simply say, oh, he's such a, he's, he's such a liar. So essentially the person that's telling the real truth has no advocate because the Democrats are not going to do it. It'll be Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and it'll be one or two Bernie Sanders, and and now they're using um, Barney Frank a lot to to tell the truth. And 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 where are the others? Where where's Kunich? What's what's your man's name out there in Minnesota? Franklin? No, you're Kukunich.
we'll let people know. And you should register to, at, at our Ning site, ourcommonground-talk.ning, so that you can get our newsletters about our programming. Thank you for your call, Alpha. Love you very much. Thank you, Janice. Love you. Make me a chocolate cake. One one one. One one one. Thank you for your call. You're on the air at our common ground. One one one. Is that me? Is it a Skype call? No. Is this Suzanne? It is. Are you hearing me? Yes, I can hear you. Suzanne Brooks is on the on the line. Suzanne, I'm going to put you on hold for a while. Fine. I just uh, wanted you to know I was there. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 586, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call at Our Common Ground. Hey, Janice. This is Deborah. Dr. D. What up, hey, girl? Papa. Listen, I'm just trying to hold on. Uh, as best I can And it's a good thing that I don't have nails So uh, I don't have the problem of slippage in trying to hold on Because these people are so bold This stuff has gotten so embedded And America is so ugly at this point And our people are sitting around Still not finding their legs in all of this not mm-hmm. finding their voice, not making sure that the people that they vote for. I mean, we keep talking about voter suppression, but, we, I mean, they had the CBC last weekend, last week. Right. A week before last, and it ended with the weekend. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if anything happened there that was significant. So what's your take on all of this, and what do you think the president ought to be doing on on Wednesday? Uh, you know what? To be honest about it, Janice, I am so disgusted with this whole country. The things that you're saying I totally agree with. The racism in this country has just uh, been unveiled. It Really, to be honest about it, in a way that I can't remember, in the last 15 or 20 years, I mean, it, it, there is no even minute attempt to mask it. They are saying whatever they want to say, and I totally agree that the Democrats, are, who should be surrogates, are not calling it like it is. And I think I put something on Facebook about this a couple of days ago. This big elephant is sitting in the middle of the room, and none of these, even the progressive Talk show hosts are really calling this for what it is. Well, for- you know, I, I I think that they're trying to call it, but they're soft peddling it. And, and you you know the- what? But you can't because the yeah. reality of it is that's what we've been doing is trying to soft peddling it, soft pedal it rather, and hope it would get better. It won't. It's time, just like white folks are saying what they think. It's time to pull the scab off and call this for what it is. But and the reality of it is, you know, I saw Tim Wise on a show a long. This has been years ago, and as long as we are the ones, meaning black people, that are the focus of what are we going to do about pulling the scab off of racism in the white community, it ain't going to happen. 
we have our own stuff we need to be doing in our community. And the Democrat, you know, the thing of it is for me, Janice, to be honest about it, it is really like mostly holding your breath and voting for the lesser of two evils because our system is so corrupt on both sides of the aisle that who does represent us? I mean, really, really, really represent the just the people. Nobody. They say they do when they're talking to us, but the reality of it is they are making sure that they get what they need. And I, I've said this since 2010. The Tea Party is a cover for the Republicans, and the Republicans are a cover for the Democrats. The Tea Party blames everything on the Republicans, and the Republicans blame everything on the Democrats. Nothing gets done as far as what we need to be done for the people, locally all the way up. Our neighborhoods are going on the decline. Our school system, and Barack Obama's part of this, particularly where this issue of charter schools is concerned, that is not the answer to what needs to happen to our education system, in my opinion. People, our public schools need to be as strength or as strong as they were when I was coming up. This crap, because you know what? Who gets left behind, Janice, in charter schools? Number one, I'm going to speak in our geographic area here. Either parents who do not have transportation to take their children to a charter school, which is generally not in their area, or parents who are gone on drugs, just don't care, don't have the wherewithal or the forethought to see that the child needs an education. And what's left in the public school in the neighborhood are children with a myriad of problems. And then we want to blame the teachers in those public schools and say the answer is. And, you know, Barack's race to the top. A part of the only way that these states can get some of that funding is they have to create a certain number of charter schools. That is not the answer. Education for money is not the answer. And who is getting left behind? Those who are already in the deficit status. But there, there's another political perspective about charter schools, and that is that um, it is the the, the the bottom rung of a platform that's being built for privatizing all public school. Right, exactly. But but that doesn't really happen, though. If you, if, at least, I'm going to speak, you know, in Michigan or around here where I'm more familiar with, in the communities where there's a good tax base where people are still working, they don't have pro- charter schools. They mm-hmm. let these public schools. Uh, you know, survive and give them what they need. It's, to me, I, f- you're, I feel like it's a way to do what you're saying, but they're only doing that, at least around here, in certain communities. You, uh, The suburbs where, and, and when I say suburbs, because anything outside of Detroit is considered a suburb, but the suburb where the tax base may not be flourishing, but it, it's at least stable, they don't have charter schools. They have neighborhood schools where children can go to school in the neighborhood, as opposed to these charter schools, which are substandard for the most part. Anytime you infuse money into situations like this, it's not going to work. It's just like the health care system. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, healthcare. When what does money and profit have to do with our health? It shouldn't have anything to do with it. What does money and profit have to do with education? It shouldn't have anything to do with it, but it does. It, you know, it is starting to now. Well, one of the things that we have got to start doing as a community is stop being distracted by those things for which we have very little control. And it is very clear that in our communities we don't have control over our congressional delegation and their agendas. I mean, we I've, don't. Got, I've got two of the finest representatives, Barney, Barney Frank and and John Kerry, who votes right, as far as I'm concerned, but there's no advocacy. There simply is no advocacy. Right. And we've got to start thinking about where we live and where we work and what what our children have to see. I mean, I, I look at the situation where uh, yesterday somebody reported uh, that there was um, a gang member who was talking about the the violence in the streets, and his answer was, and I think most of the people and people in the chat room have been talking about it tonight, that his, the answer was by this gang member, a young black man, saying killing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the answer. Yep. And then the, in the, I, I read the article that you're speaking of. And then at the end, the guy, the reporter asked him, what would you look like in 10 years if you could have it your way? And I'm paraphrasing that question. He said, I would have a mansion with 10 women. And, I mean, that's our thinking. That is our thinking. We have bought into this surface stuff trying to make ourselves feel good. And we're not about family anymore. You know, we've bought into this individualistic, it's all about me, as opposed to the corporate or the community level that our people really used to come from. It's just this acculturation that has taken place in this country is just absolute. And the truth of the matter is we're going to continue to fall farther behind because the Hispanics are going to come up. Mm-hmm. And because they ha- still maintain a good level of connectedness with their cultural roots, which I understand the fact we don't really have that because we were kind of stripped away from our land. But they, so they, they're still going to fight on a lot of levels to keep their people together in a way that we don't. Mm -hmm. And until we learn, like you say, to come back together, I, I mean, I just look sometimes and I hear people say, Deborah, you need to give that up. That's done. It ain't even about black folks no more. And I, I'm like, really? I, I mean, where do we get that mindset from? Mm-hmm. 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 Because it, it's, it's it's, we live in a society where me and I is the focus. And we don't understand that we are dealing with an upside-down equation. The equation that we live by is I, if I take care of me, then mm-hmm. I can take care of others. And what we don't understand is that if you take care of the community, then you have already taken care of me. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's it's so very upside down. It the is. other is that just in the same way that Mitt Romney feels that he can stand in front of America 
and mm-hmm. tell old faced lies and have no accountability. We we go to we go to city council meetings. We go to organizational meetings in our community. Mm-hmm. We talk to some of the uh, political leadership, mm-hmm. and we know that they are telling us lies, and we don't hold them accountable to that. I, I agree with you. The problem is, it's not enough of us that even go to the meetings. And when you speak about lies that Mitt Romney tell, look at what the lies Bill Clinton tell. Bill Clinton wasn't no good president. I, I don't think he was myself. I feel like he did at, the Republican bit. He, huh? he created the baseline for the poverty that we're seeing in this country today. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'm definitely not a lover of George Bush, but the reality of it is some of the economic downturn that this country took for the first few years after George got into office Whoever got into office was going to feel that because Clinton, like you say, set that in motion. And they talk about all the jobs that Bill Clinton created. Those jobs were McDonald's, 8 and $7 an hour jobs. They were not jobs that people could go to work and have a quality of life for their children. And you know something, right now here in Michigan, Janice, if a guy, a man or a woman, a person comes out of prison and they have two felony drug convictions, they cannot get food stamps. That's just if parents have a child who is delinquent, truant from school for more than 10 days, they cut their benefits off if they're getting food stamps or cash or whatever. That's total bullshit. First of all, you've created a situation where in many cases, both parents, if they're together, and we do have a you know a lot of single parents, are out working literally two and three jobs to maintain poverty on top of it, not to maintain any level of good living to maintain poverty. They can't do that and watch their kids too. So you know we're I fear, and I'm not letting people off their hook, so don't get that wrong, but. Facts are facts. If you have people who have been convicted of two felony drug convictions, people are going to eat, Janice. I'm going to eat, and I've never stole nothing in my life. But if I'm put in a position where I don't have no money, no job or nothing, I'm going to eat. I'm going to go steal from a grocery store. In this case, these people are going to go back to the life that they know how to make money. Well, last week on this show I was talking about... I was talking about the issue of mass incarceration, and if you look at statistics, 80% of all of the African-American men uh, under the age of 40 in our prisons are there because of a marijuana possession charge. The the prison pipeline, exactly, exactly. And we all know, and we let these people lie to us and, mm -hmm. and demonize and over-amplify the problem of crime in our community mm-hmm. because, one, they can't control the real crime, and, two, they have to make contracts for the privatization of right. in their and area. Them and 90% they are trying occupancy. to figure out mm-hmm. how to get the population mm-hmm. there. You cannot tell me that the Chicago Police Department does not know where the bank of gangs are in the city of Chicago to get control mm-hmm. over the kind of 
right. armed violence, gang violence mm-hmm. going on in that city mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Well, you know, I totally agree with you. I want to go back to Bill Clinton, though. One thing I wanted to say, you know, about the lies. You know, he did welfare reform, which well, was another exactly catalyst. Was baseline for for poverty right, in to send country. people straight down the lane to poverty. Okay, you cannot kick people off of welfare without giving them the kind of training. Number one, and then number two have a job market that is available to them that can give them the kind of employment, again, that can give them a quality, a quality of life. Because when you have people that go out and work for 7 and $8 an hour, that literally to me in 2012 is equivalent to what people did when they picked cotton. Uh-huh. In the eighteen, it's slavery. There was a report today uh, from about the mayor of Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. who decided that he would go on food stamps. I don't know how how much mm-hmm. food stamps he got. And after a week of trying to subsist on food stamps, he reported that he was too tired to even concentrate mm-hmm. about other things in his life. So here we are, and that is the evidence. And the other part of the story of Bill Clinton is, if you wonder how we got a surplus from eight years of Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. it was because he saved it out of the mouths of children mm-hmm. in this country. Absolutely. And, and, and so what I'm saying is we say that Mitt Romney lies, which he does, and then the Republican Party, for the most part, does their best to try and support him. In those. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats do the same thing about Bill Clinton. He get up and go to the convention, and, oh, my God, he did this. And, you know, they already talking about Hillary uh, running for president in 2016, and I'm thinking she, she's get, she's he, he was one ready. of the worst presidents we ever had. Yeah, she's get, she's getting ready. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying this is why people either are just dropping out of paying attention to politics in a lot of ways, especially when you have people who are literally, again, struggling to maintain just the basic level of needs, meaning housing, food, and shelter, and I'm talking about basic housing, basic food, you know, they don't even have time to really pay attention to what else is going on, and then you have people who, you know, just plain stupid, really, we we got a country full of buffoons, white and black, that sit up and they can't think for themselves. They wait to watch the TV so the TV can tell them, number one, what was said. I've seen people say things, show live footage, and a commentator come right behind them and say, this is what they meant. And I'm like, really? And I know it's people that walk away from there as opposed to really listening to what the person says because i give you an example with Mitt Romney. You know what's interesting to me is what is he saying that, you and I ain't known for years. This is how the Republicans been feeling. Yep. He, yep. he just made a mistake, and I, his sense of entitlement would make him be so stupid 
at a luncheon where there were waiters who couldn't afford a $50 a plate dinner, let alone 50000 And the this day of electronics, he would get up and say that and not think that somebody there would be taping that. But the reality of it is that's how they talk when they think ain't nobody listening because that's really, really how they feel. doesn't have anything to do either with the 47 to 50% of people who follow Barack Obama. Really what Mitt Romney wanted to say was the 47 to 50% of people in that bracket of income, fuck them. That's what he wanted to say. He don't care if they support Santa Claus. He they 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 they're so far out of his sight and thought. Screw them. So you know, but like I said, all of them lie. The Republicans lie. The Democrats lie. And until I, you know, I don't know. Like I said, who can even afford in this day and age to really run for office? Who really cares uh, about us? Well, that's why we need electoral reform. We, I mean, there's two things. It's 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 um, uh, terms of elections uh, of elect for elected officials, and taking corporate money. But you've got a Supreme Court that is so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one of the reasons I'm voting for Barack Obama mm-hmm. is because I want to block Republicans from making any um, appointments um, to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, Absolutely. And I am going to require that this president, with everything he has to defend the the, uh, anti-partisan positioning of the Supreme Court. Hey, Dr. Mm-hmm. Deborah, it's been a pleasure. You too. I'll talk too. with you. <laughs> I'm up uh, watching and, my grandma. Um, so I'm you know, we've, 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 we've got to jump with two feet on what's happening at the mm-hmm. local level. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because Absolutely. I hear a Tommy Thompson talking about oh, he wants to uh, block grant all mm-hmm. federal funds. Do you know what yep. block granting means? Yes, block I do. Block granting means it goes to the mayor, mm-hmm. and, and the mayor decides. But how every dime, and and that's nothing but states' rights all right. over. And they're trying to take us back to the 1800s. Absolutely. Um, okay, I'll talk with you soon. And you take care of those people out there in Michigan. Okay, <laughs> bye bye. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Deb. Uh, who is a former host at TruthWorks Network. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and this is Saturday Night Open Mic in in the last episode of our program tonight. We're going to be talking with Suzanne Brooks, who is going to be hosting a six-week series, Women of Color in the Invisible. We hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Janice Graham, and you're listening to Our Common Ground.
I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next, my body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Check out, check out, but check out, shut up, because if those are your two choices, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, and this bigot, this racist, then I don't see that there's a big issue there. I don't see that there's anything, any other choice. You either stay home and stay disengaged, but then I don't see how you would have a voice. I don't see how you would be able to complain. I just read off 13 things that this president has given or has added and has done for the black community. I don't know if I'll be able to help. <laughs> for those who say he hasn't, you know, you need to be aware of these things. Nine one four three three eight one six one zero. Let me go to nine seven two. Alpha Show, Fridays, 10 p.m., TruthWorks Network, Advanced Urban Progressive Political Talk. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. The Alpha Show, only on TruthWorks Network. Nothing to say, nothing to do, I'm nothing to give, I'm asleep without you. Women of Color in the Invisible, a six-part series on TruthWorks Network, hosted by Suzanne Brooks. She is the founder of International Women of Color Day and the author of The Constructive Extermination of Women of Color. We hope you'll join Suzanne Brooks and Women of Color in the Invisible, a constructive discussion about women in our society, across the globe, economics, employment, family, relationships, and institutionalized invisibility. Thursdays, 10 p.m., men and women looking at the status of women across the globe at TruthWorks Network.
Women of Color in the Invisible, Thursdays, 10 p.m. TruthWorks Network. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. to Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us in our chat room. Lots of people. Thank you for two, a special thanks to our guests and our calls from Dr. Deb and Alpho of the Alpho Show. Uh, India Declare is in the house. Join her for her broadcast, the I Declare Show, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time here on Blog Talk Radio and the Vox R1. Uh, Check her out on Blog Talk Radio as well. She is joining us in the the chat room. Uh, We want to remind you that if you would like to get our newsletter um, reminding you of our programming, uh, you can do so by going to our community forum, which is located at ourcommonground-talk.ning.com. We also have developed uh, an app for your smartphones, and you can email us at ocginfo at ourcommonground.com to get the QCQR and to... Get it on your smartphones so that you can get updates on your smartphones about our programming. Next Saturday night here at Our Common Ground, um, Alton Maddox, um, a long-time activist out of New York City, uh, black nationalist, pan-Africanist, will be with us next Saturday night to talk about a number of things, and one of the things is the state as we continue to pound on the issue of the state of the disorganization in our community where we don't seem to be able to garner uh, a a voice, um, a a core of empowerment, and this embedded, voracious, uh, vitrolic, Uh, white supremacy wave of sickness has come across America. And uh, we certainly uh, want to keep you uh, at the center of discussion. This is like a town hall meeting. We are looking at uh, a lot of things, and we have to, at some point, we're going to have to Defend ourselves, defend ourselves to our children about um, how we have conducted ourselves. 
So thank you very much for being with us. I hope that you will continue to support our broadcasts here at Our Common Ground as well as TruthWorks Network. On Thursday, we're rolling out Women of Color in the Invisible um, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time with Suzanne Brooks. Um Women of color, we're going to be looking at women of color. Who are we? Who are the champions? What's the history? And there will be homework uh, for this um, six-week series. And joining me right now is Suzanne Brooks. She is the host of Women of Color in the Invisible. Thank you, Suzanne, for joining us tonight. I know that um, you are putting it all together, and uh, we're going to be setting up a Facebook page for women of color in the invisible. Great. Great. Um, I hope you got my email with the program outline, and if not, you'll you'll get it soon. I sent it to you, but you may not have had a chance to see it yet. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I'm, I like my so open. You, the opening week is we who are about to die, because you know that I am really concerned with the, my belief that women of color are being exterminated, and um, we're dying at the highest rate from every curable disease, and we need to come out of denial about that. Um, obviously, nobody's coming to save us. And uh, I I listened, um, I really enjoyed your previous speakers, and, um, you know, I'm so in tune with what all of you are saying. The one caveat, though, I will say, it is very interesting to me because I do work with multiple ethnic groups um, all the time, women especially. Um, All groups see other groups as better organized, and I, I went somewhere once and I ran into with something for the Smithsonian and I there were only two women there me and this Native American woman from New Mexico and she said can I ask you something I said yes she said how is it that black women are so organized and and are always so cool in the midst of conflict (laughs) and that is the perception that many groups have of African American women Mm -hmm that we are really strong, that we're unflappable. Um, And it's what Michelle Wallace wrote about so long ago, the myth that we are superwomen when we are, in fact, dying. And it's because people prefer the myth so they don't have to deal with the reality that we're being wiped out. And, And the bigger problem is not so much what they, the others, think, but when we are dying and are persuaded that we are not dying, then we're really in trouble. And I, I've heard the last few days uh, Israel is considering uh, attacking Iran in not, sometime during October. And the thing that flashed in my mind so and, and is just there is, who exactly do people think are going to die? It isn't going to just be the people of Iran Um, mostly civilians, as died in Iraq and also are dying in Afghanistan. It's also going to be people of color of the United States. Those 
men mostly and women of color who are not in the prisons will then be able to be sent off to war. And and the, to me, the reality of this is that we will then be able to reduce substantially the numbers of people of color in this country to keep this country white, to keep this country from its inevitable movement to being majority people of color. And that is a big problem for for people who are not in those cultural groups because as those numbers keep growing that's why they're so much into the anti-abortion they don't want their people they don't really care if a black woman gets an abortion they do care if white women get abortions because they want all of the children to be born that they can have i think there's probably um not so subtly a message in that by having someone um whose faith allows for polygamy come to the come to the role of president and i don't think people are thinking about that well i've certainly thought about it um i mean these people will take anything other than what they got oh yes long as it doesn't involve the ascension of black, Latino, Asian, Native American, or Pacific Island people, they don't really care. And, so, and t- go ahead. T- tell us about <coughs> what you expect over the over the six weeks of the series. Well, one of the things that I expect is to really address uh, this issue of the term "women of color." Um, so many people, one of the advantages of getting older is that you're alive during events. And so, you know, you know, I think of the times when there were people disrespectful to, um, what's her name, it's, uh, just skipped my mind, the, the woman on the, sat down on the bus, Rosa Parks. And it was unthinkable that someone would be disrespectful to her, especially someone black given the kind of sacrifice that she made in her life. But it happened because people really are not connected with events past a certain amount of time, past a month or past a year or ten years, because we're not having our histories in the forefront. This is why I think your work is so important, because you are not only getting people to speak, but you're archiving these speeches so that you're building histories that can be referred to uh, and that are not deniable because they are the words that people are speaking about real events. And that's the kind of history that really we haven't had. And I, as I go through the six weeks, I want to talk about that. It's not the same the way the evolution of the word um, negro from the Spanish negro to... Um, Negra, as the southern whites like to dress up the rest of the N-word um, and and to excuse that as not being the same thing. Um, those words were imposed from outside because those were not in the languages of any, of any Africans and um, there was no reason for which people of all of the different African nations would have had a single identity. 
On the other hand, the term women of color did not come about that way. So I want to talk about that and help people to see this is not an alternative to saying one is whatever one's cultural group, but it is a political mechanism to bring people together who are subjected to the same kinds of mistreatment, namely racism plus sexism, which only women of color experience both. And that means that we're getting that at the hands of people who should be our allies, white women and men of color. So those, that's some of the things I want to talk about in the first week and why that makes us invisible. And, in fact, the idea of invisibility, which um, I really like that you have highlighted, so because much of my book was um, envisioned through the work of the book The Invisible Man, which came out many years ago and expressed uh, the experiences of black men. And um, and it hasn't been until now that we're beginning to talk about the invisibility of women of color and what does that mean. Um, I also want to talk about who are our champions and who can we rely on to stand up for us. And in, in all of the recent talk about rape, um, with uh, Representative Atkins, um, people didn't really talk about the rape. The majority of rapes are women of color, and among them, young women of color. Um, and then we just had a brigadier general arrested uh, for rape, and the women of color in the military are being raped by our own soldiers, sailors, and airmen. And most of them are women of color. And so we'll talk about why is that happening? Where do women of color go for advocacy? If you're in the service and you're raped and you're raped by your commanding officer, where do you go? You can't get out. If you try to get out, you go to prison. If you go to a superior, they send you back to work for the rapist. And so there's cyclical rapes. Um, and that's just one little aspect. So we'll talk about that and also the stereotypes, how that comes into play. Uh, so often when women of color are raped, the decisions are made that it was our fault. And uh, how does that uh, worsen the situation? The third week I want to talk about politics and uh, where are we? Why aren't there any women of color in the United States Senate? Where do we have representatives? How can we be represented and we're not there? And when women like uh, Diane Watson spent, has to spend uh, so much time, and I believe it cost over a million dollars for her to have a defense, and she was innocent. She was innocent of any wrongdoing, and they knew that. But that was just a way to tie her up. So that and Maxine she, Waters. Yes, what did I say? You said, Waters. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I meant, Maxine Waters. Um, so a million dollars had to be raised to fight uh, a bogus charge, which everyone knew was that. But that mm-hmm. was a way to tie her up. And we don't have many women of color in the House of Representatives either, and we're not in every state legislature. And so actually I've begun to think about if we're going to have alternative government, I think we should start a campaign to only elect women of color. Since we're the missing piece, um, I think we should have all of the focus. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a way to rally 
people who are right-thinking men and white women and white men, for that matter, um, <laughs> because then we'd know where everybody was. I, I, heard, I, I read an interesting story today about Latinas in Congress, by the way, written by Latina activists. I had really not been sure about where Hilda Solis, the Secretary of Labor, was coming from, though she has a background and her family was farm workers and whatnot, but she's been really quiet. And I'm in California, and she's from here, and I never hear anything. Well, these other Latinas took her and the Sanchez sisters and a bunch of others really to task. One of the Sanchez sisters uh, was a guest of Hugh Hefner's at the mansion, and they've been hobnobbing around with those kinds of people, and therefore they have ignored the rest of the Latino communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we... Just because people are there and just because they look like they're Latino doesn't mean they're representing their communities either. <laughs> now, it's really interesting that for week two, when you're talking about champions uh, who are women of color, you, you, you're, you're planning on giving your listeners a homework assignment to tune in TV for a week. Yes. And make, and make notes. Yeah. Uh, regarding all the women of color they've seen by ethnic group and age. Right. And, um, you know, that is one of the things that I have always envisioned talk radio to do, that this is the university in the air. For any one person in this country who wants to get an education, it is in talk radio. Mm-hmm. Where you can find that, and it's really interesting, and and that and, and that happened it should have happened before the internet. Um, I mean, I just I have always had a, a love of um, organic chemistry, and I've been trying to tune into. I've been attending the Khan Academy to try to get a better understanding of some advanced um, issues having to do with organic chemistry. So I want people to know that your radio can be your source of empowerment, and that's why we talk about on this program transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time. I'm really excited, Suzanne, about uh, what you're going to do with this show. I, I certainly... Uh, I have been looking at the outline, and for those of you who would like to get a copy of the curriculum, uh, the syllabi, uh, <laughs> you'll be able to do it uh, by tomorrow on um, on uh, Facebook um, and um, get an idea of what. Because in week three, you're going to be week four, you're going to be looking at the issue of rhetoric versus reality for women of color in the women's movement and the civil rights movement. That's going to be an interesting thing, and you've titled that particular episode, Ain't I a Woman? Now, let me uh, ask you, and uh, for those of you, I have quite a, be quite a few men who listen to this broadcast. Um, talk to men for a moment, because we're, we're, we're getting close to the hour, but talk to men about how this will benefit them. This is not just a show for women. It is a program for 
families, for, I mean, I, I want young women, bring your daughters and your sisters and your nieces to this program. Because what it is is going to be a six weeks course in women's studies. We'll give you, we'll send you a certificate. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, you send us an email and give us your address. If you come to every one of these uh, episodes and you participate by calling in, you get a certificate of completion. Put it right on your wall. So and and really, there, there is a benefit for men as well as women. For one, men don't want women don't get married as much anymore, you know, and partly because they don't want to be in relationships anymore. And men need to help make that possible, for one thing. That's not going to happen without better understanding. And that better understanding means that men need to really understand ways to be supportive and really in and not have the attitude that well men are experiencing some kind of oppression therefore women should be supportive of them but women are also getting oppression and they're not identical and those are things that both people need to talk with each other and that parents need to be able to talk to children and we all need to learn from our elders i, I mother ruby who was my friend and i speak about her when lived to 114, most often people asked her, what did you eat to live so long? They did not ask her the questions about politics and society and history that were much more valuable. Mm-hmm. And and what, what I'm trying to say to people, if I have a 96-year-old aunt in Philadelphia. I have her write me letters of history things that she experienced, things that she knew, people that she's experienced. My uncle went to went to worked once at the steel mill with Nkrumah before he became president of Ghana. Wow. So there are lots of interactions that people can tell about. But if no one takes the time to write them down, they are lost. And we need that. We need that what you are doing and we need everyone to pitch in and contribute. To those well, Suzanne, I am looking forward to it. I am um, simply serving as the executive producer of the program, and I'm really, really looking forward, and I hope that everyone is listening tonight will join us on Thursday night uh, for the first episode of Women of Color in the Invisible. You know, it's not very often that I have a difficult time uh, coming up with a show title because I've got so many different kinds of programming in my head. I'm hoping that in the next two years I will have ten shows a day, uh, five of them on Our Common Ground and five of them on TruthWorks Network, and maybe then start building on two or three programs a day. But... Um, it was difficult to try to capture what what we are trying to do for this program, and you have done it so beautifully, and I hope that people will go to your Facebook page tomorrow and like it. And we will look forward to having you at TruthWorks Network on Thursday night. Thanks, Janice. And tell everyone listening. I don't have to what? tell them this. I know. <laughs> 
listen and watch watch the presidential debates on Wednesday. And when you're watching it, think about it. What's in it for women of color? Mm-hmm. Probably yep. nothing. I hear you. Suzanne, thank you so much. I'm going to put you back on mute okay. so you can continue to listen to the broadcast. All right. We hope that all of you will join uh, Suzanne Brooks and Women of Color in the Invisible on Thursday nights at Toothworks Network, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. And don't forget, on Tuesday night, Working While Black will bring you the final episode of looking at black people, the workplace, and employment discrimination. And uh, I think that it will be uh, an excellent opportunity for uh, us to thank Ricardo Jones. Uh, And don't forget, on Wednesday night, Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. And we certainly thank his producer and content uh, producer Michelle Odom for all of her hard work um, and hope that you will support that program as well. And then on Thursday, Women of Color in the Invisible and Friday night, of course, the Alpha Show. Thank you for being with us, with us tonight. Next Saturday, Alton Maddox will be with us. He apologizes for not, but he had something very important to do regarding um, discrimination in private school, in, in public school, charter schools in, the, in New York City, a big meeting tonight. Uh, we will let you know and check with us about Wednesday night and whether or not we'll be following the debate, uh, uh, broadcast for the debate. I have been very, very busy in the last couple of weeks, and I am worn, totally worn out, but... I think that our education, our ability to get together in discourse is so important. I'm Janice Graham. This is Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Thank you for being with us. Thanks to Dr. Deborah and Alpho and Suzanne for their calls. Rise up, black man. I said, rise up, black man. Rise like the rush of a million men marching up mountains to obtain their mental manumission. Let African pride be your ammunition and let's engage in sedition if we must. Because it's up to us to uplift our nation from the dust of dreadful damnation. Rise up, black man. I said, rise up, black man. Rise up like all common ground. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Good evening, this is Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground, 
thank you so much for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We're here each Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be listening for you. Wishing you peace and power in the new week.